Welcome, everyone, to episode four of the Guide Foundation podcast. It's your host, Adam Goodman, uh, and I'm here with uh, Derek Fisher. Hello. And Tara, a new guest, and hopefully a guest many times, uh, Tara Tenoff. Good morning. And uh, because Sarah is a new guest, um, if you could just introduce yourself a little bit, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, that'd be great. Sure. I, um, I'm in uh, Minnesota in the Twin Cities metro area where I've, I've pretty much lived most of my life. Um, I'm married with two kids. They're 13 and 16. Um, I oh, currently wow. work as an HR professional, so that uh, always keeps me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I grew up actually not really knowing anything about my Korean heritage or culture, um, so I really only found the adoptee community about maybe five, six years ago. Um, and when I, I did finally find them, it was really just kind of a whirlwind of learning everything. And then taking my first trip to Korea all in about a six to eight month time period. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I kind of just decided I was ready and jumped in feet first and just kind of went for it. So, um, since coming back from my first trip in 2015, I realized I just really wanted to give back and, um, had been trying to find an organization that um, I felt suited kind of my own personal mission and uh, found Adoptee Hub um, about a year and a half ago. And um, that has been really rewarding for me um, to be able to try and give back to the community, especially in post-adoption services, because it's something that's right. really lacking here in the U.S. It's like there's this fine line between um, where the adoption agency just stops and now apparently parents and adoptees are just supposed to know everything. So I'm really excited about the opportunities that we can continue to provide uh, to adoptees, whether young or adult adoptees like myself. So Great. Uh, thank you so much, Tara. Uh, and it's great to have you here. And um, I think that like you had just mentioned that those post-adoption services is really where I've seen um, sort of adoptees themselves as adult adoptees try to step in mm -hmm. uh, and and really organize around that and and provide those services that, as you say, a lot of the adoption services or even or if you're like a private adoption, you just don't even have an organization right. that that you were, you were, you know, that facilitated you. So, so, I mean, that's even, you know, less of, of, of a chance for that. It, it definitely um, and you mentioned yeah. Adoptee Hub. Are you still uh, doing work with them as well? Yes, I currently sit on the board as the director of public relations. And so I am really involved in all, a lot of our day-to-day -day operations, particularly getting out content and, and creating a, a visible profile for us within the community. Um, we are still a newer organization, so our footprint might not be as big yet. Um, but it's also really difficult to try and, and create that that gap that exists yeah. between, um, again, you know, from end of the adoption and, you know, welcome to your happy family to now as an adult and realizing, you know, there's these services that, that they need and, you know, regards to birth family search or translation services, you know, mental health services, which, you know, the guide foundation is, is really, um, helping to step up and provide. Um, but then also, you know, there's, there's a number of adoptees in the United States who are caught in this bubble of never having been naturalized. Right. And yes. How do we lead them to the right resources? You know, every day, I think I see a new adoptee who says, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my passport renewed. I'm trying to, you know, get my, um, my real ID and I don't have this document. I don't have that document. 
you know, there's, there's so many of these adoptees that just were never, never officially naturalized because parents didn't realize the significance of doing it. So that's another reason. A lot of the times they didn't even know they needed to do it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and that goes back to like where the adoption agency sort of just stopped, you know, (laughs) like they're like the baby's here, (laughs) you know? Yes. And, um, yeah. So those, that, that, that's a critical issue that I've gotten involved with. And I think it also obviously, um, impacts mental health, Mm -hmm. right. Which, which, coincides with what you know guide is trying to do um and um i guess like the, the overall topic that we wanted to discuss was uh one um like just sort of building an organization right what does that take i think and also then once you've sort of you know you built or you've established the organization mm-hmm. that you wanted to establish or gotten involved with um how do you work with other organizations and what are the, what are the, the, the um, difficulties with that sort of issues that we've seen uh, and sort of just overall, maybe why, like it just can be hard uh, in, you know, to sort of collaborate uh, and, you know, cause it's not just the adoptee community <laughs> where right. this stuff sort of seems to be difficult. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, like Working like with, with Adoptee Hub, like have you, what, what experiences have you had with sort of trying to reach out to other adoptee organizations to sort of maybe share some knowledge or to like do something in collaboration? So we've been, you know, we've, we've been doing our best to reach out to collaborate with, with other groups, whether it's been locally here in Minnesota or, or nationally, you know, part of, Part of the issue right now, I think, is just the fact that we're new and they're not exactly sure, you know, what services we provide or, mm-hmm. quite frankly, if we're going to be around long enough to continue to collaborate with, which I understand Fair enough. is is a reasonable, is a reasonable question, um, you know, but I, the fact that our founder, who also founded Goal, you know, she's, she's in it mm. for the long run. And so I find that, you know, just getting people to kind of believe in that. Um, is helpful to understand that, you know what, we're not just kind of a, a flash in the pan here. You know, we're, we're here for the long run. And I, I find that a lot of these orgs have really been started by adoptees that are kind of in, kind of in a specific age group. I think as, as older mm-hmm. adoptees, I think we find that we are really looking, um, to move the community forward, I think for the next generation that's coming along. But, to go back to your question, you know, we, we've really been doing our best to collaborate um, in as many ways as possible um, in anything. Um, we don't want to be, we don't want to hold on to our information. We want to be able to try and share whatever we can. Um, you know, are we going to possibly trademark something, you know, along the way? Sure, because if it's, you know, if it is our intellectual property, we'll sure, absolutely. That. But we're not afraid to share it either. Um, you know, I guess it goes back to the whole knowledge is power and you have to share that with everyone because everybody needs to be empowered to know something as simple as how to begin a birth search, you know, that's, yeah. that's critical information. And, and there's a lot of different pieces of information that float around out there. And, and we just want to do what we can to help any adoptee start on the right path. Yeah. And, 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 I think even beyond um, these sort of like, uh, like you were saying, maybe something that's like trademarkable, mm-hmm. right? Like a piece of uh, uh, something like that. It's also sort of just the soft skills of, you know, how do I organize like a group of people? Like, what do I need to do to start an organization? Not like the paperwork and stuff, but like, right. what are what are the, you know, things I need to do in terms of like calling people, communicating. Um, keeping myself like keeping yourself uh, motivated, and 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 then once you've started something, how do I how do I like keep the group together and you know build the team and, and a community? Because uh, when I was at Con last year, you know I did see you know a lot of younger uh, adoptees there mm-hmm. um, yeah. who were in their teens or maybe early twenties, and I'm like this. These are the people that people in our age group and older need to sort of need to bring in to sort of leadership meetings 
um, organizational sort of meetings, like the stuff that's boring, quote unquote, right? <laughs> right. But is really critical to making sure that things run mm-hmm. uh, and, and projects get completed and things. Uh, because if we don't sort of let them in, then how are they going to gain that knowledge, right? Exactly. And when, because there's a lot of turnover, I think, in these organizations as they grow older. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm sure that guide, you know, we're young, but like eventually, hopefully, you know, it's going to get to a point where we're going to need to, People just get, you know, a little burned out and you've got to cycle in new leadership, right? Exactly. And if you don't let people sort of, you know, younger people into that, then they don't, they're not going to have the skills and you're setting them them up to fail. Uh, and yeah. I think that's so critical for our generation of people to, to do that knowledge sharing. I, um, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I've seen that here just in Minneapolis in the fact that, you know, there were other organizations. Um, there was another org here in Minneapolis that existed, you know, 20 years ago. And that was, it, it eventually disbanded because there wasn't enough people to take it over to bring it forward. And, you know, I, I look at our volunteers that we're bringing in and our goal is to, you know, obviously we want to bring in all demographics, but I want to try and make sure that we're bringing in some of those younger adoptees, um, A, because their knowledge base is just far different than ours, right? The resources yes. that they've had available to themselves are far different than those of us that, you know, were born in, in the 70s and, and beyond. Um, and so I want to bring their knowledge to the table, but we all, we do, we need to train them so that we can pass the torch on to them and they can continue to take that forward. Because I look at these folks that were living in Korea, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I'm so grateful for them because they're the ones mm-hmm. who paved the way for us. And they Absolutely. did it when it was really hard. I mean, yeah. you know, there was there was no World Wide Web and there was no Korean adoptee group on Facebook. And, um, you know, it was, it was a lot that's harder. Re- that's, such, that's such a good point. <laughs> like, even when I went, which was like in 20, like in 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. like there was Facebook, like there was the internet, like there were cell phones, you could text people, like there was goal and the website and like I stayed, you know, I, I got a lot of help. But if that had been like maybe five years earlier right. or like 10 years earlier, I, yeah, I have no idea what I would have done because I would have known nobody. Exactly. Exactly. It's, and that's why I just, I, it is so important to share, to share what you know with people, you know, and I think the biggest, you know, I, I don't know if this just goes to American culture um, or if it's just because as adoptees, we, we try to self-protect so much as, you know, everybody just wants to keep that, those little pieces of what they know in case they need to, you know, drop it in the bucket later. Um, but I, I find that a lot. Everybody kind of hoards their knowledge instead of sharing their knowledge or the knowledge that's shared is so incorrect that it sends mm. someone down a big rabbit hole. <laughs> That's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I almost don't like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't, I don't uh, dislike that as much. Obviously it's, it's not good, but at least someone tried, right? right. <laughs> sort of right. I, you know, as long as it's in good faith. Um, but it, th- but that, yeah, like, as you mentioned, being, is it an American thing? Um, and, uh, you know, increasingly as the world turns <laughs> in 2020 and before and everything, I kind of feel like a lot of what's happening right now in America is because it's like a uniquely American thing. But, you know, these, these, um, struggles with people sort of hoarding knowledge and things like that, it's not just an adoptee thing. Like, you know, I think we were chatting a little bit before we started recording that, um, my friends and I have noticed this in the broader Asian American community in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there are many more Asian Americans than there are just Asian adoptees, right? Right, right. So, you know, you would think that with millions and millions of people, even as spread out as we are, um, we'd be able to create, you know, some lasting institutions. But, you know, there are like, you know, the history of the last 20 years uh, of like media and social media is littered with, you know, organizations that have come and gone. Uh, and I think maybe now, hopefully, people are uh, will start building like connections between organizations and sharing information and building each other up 
without this idea that like if I if someone if someone sees your website or your podcast, then they're going to leave mine, and I don't want that. So I'm going to try to like you know not work with you, right? Uh, and because there's room, I, you know people people listen to a lot of things. People read a lot of websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know th- there is room out there for this, and is you know and and I really do think that like you know we. Yeah, I, I run a, or I founded and helped run a, uh, an Asian American sort of interest magazine and political magazine and media criticism and all that with the podcast. And we've we've made connections not just within the Asian American community, but the Black community as well. Mm-hmm. And we've built up because we've done like a podcast and things for like two years, right? Two or three years. You know, I, we're, we're helping you know other people sort of start their podcasts. Right. Like we have knowledge about how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I've started this one with God. Right. So it's like we, we need to really just expand what we, you know, use what we know to like just go out there and help other people and other organizations grow. Right. Uh, and, you know, we can all sort of it, it, just because I started the Guide Foundation podcast doesn't mean that like I'm not going to do the other one. Or that, like, suddenly I've lost some audience from that one. Like, right. That, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. The, I think the perception is, the perception is very much that you know you're you're only aligned with with one organization, and then that's it. You can't you can't help anyone else. You can't do anything else. It's you know this is this is what you do. This is all you do. But as you mentioned, you know people listen to multiple podcasts. It's you know it's it's helping to keep yourself informed. It's, you know, absolutely. If you watch CNN news, I highly encourage you to watch Fox news just to see what they're saying on the other side or, you know, vice versa. (laughs) Derek shaking his head. (laughs) Okay. I don't watch Fox news, but, (laughs) but there's a point there is that you need to know what, what's going on and what's being said. Uh, even obviously if you don't, even if you don't agree with it, even if you (laughs) don't agree with it, that's just it, you know, to, to keep yourself, to keep yourself informed, but to understand you know, what else is being said out there? Because in this day and age, you can't take one source as your be all end all to get information yeah. anymore. You really can't. There's there's too many there's too many options, there's too many avenues, there's there's too many resources out there to just take one particular thing as your total, you know, source of information. And I think that's what's so much different about this next generation coming up is that They've always had this available to them, but now it's figuring out how to harness it and use it to their potential to go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with uh, so with Adoptee Hub and Guide, what is your hope like that we can sort of help each other do? Like what what, what like is the pot- partnership in your mind going to be like? So one of the things I'm really excited about Guide is their focus on on mental health services because it's something yeah. that's so lacking in our community. Um, and especially as, as you look at the amount of um, adoptees that are committing suicide um, are struggling um, with those issues. And, and I, you know, mental health carries such a, a poor stigma in the United States overall. And, mm-hmm. you know, guide foundation yes. really taking that as the cornerstone of their organization and being able to provide resources is is something that's just it's so lacking and and so I'm really looking forward to that partnership and being able to provide this to adoptees because it's it's not like oh my gosh I'm you know I'm feeling so so desolate and depressed and I need a therapist you need a therapist for self growth as well it's it's all mm-hmm. different avenues of of self care that's involved in that it's not just you know I'm really depressed and feeling blue and you know, feel that I might harm myself. It's it's not necessarily to that extreme. So, and, right. and that's what what I look forward is one of the biggest things um, in partnering with Guide Foundation. Awesome. And as you mentioned, you mentioned the um, birth family search mm-hmm. uh, and reunion, and that's that's going to be you know the first sort of product or thing that we make at Guide, and that is I think also like hugely um, related to mental health as well because that's an incredibly stressful. <laughs> you know, situation, uh, and th- you know, and, and something that um, even when you're not engaged in it as an adoptee, I think it weighs heavily on on many people's minds. Yes, <laughs> right. Yep. And um, you know, to have that 
have like a um, a place where a lot of that knowledge, like you're talking about, right? So like knowledge is sort of floating out there. Mm-hmm. Some of it really good, some of it sort of to lead you down a, a, the wrong path. Um, have an you know have at least one resource that tries to consolidate it and put it together and sort of put it in a package that's uh you know you know cohesive and well structured uh and then to have that and you know and to share it with every organ you know with other organizations so that um you know they don't need to know about guide necessarily right they'll know when they see it Mm -hmm. they'll know that like who created it but like you have your people that know adoptee hub and trust it right and you know and and we'll work together and then you can share it and then it'll just be out there and um you know, and it, it, it'll reach a lot more people than just like guide trying to <laughs> make sure that we reach everybody, right? Individually. Right. right. You know, I was, I was just talking about this, um, as we are, you know, bringing on additional volunteers into our organization that, you know, for every, every new volunteer that we bring in, it just broadens our footprint a little bit more. You know, it just broadens mm-hmm. our outreach because they're not currently, interconnected with, you know, kind of this group here in Minneapolis. And so to be able to bring in people that are in Minnesota, but not necessarily directly involved is really exciting to me because it just, it, it broadens our, our horizons so much more and, and who our outreach is because, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like the whole pyramid thing, right? Like if you bring in 10 people and they bring in 10 people and they bring in 10 people, mm-hmm. I'm just excited. I'm excited for that more than anything. Um, and just bringing, and spreading our awareness. Um, I'm really excited about this, um, the guidebook that's coming out about reunion because it is, it's so multi-layered. Yeah. <laughs> so many different, so many different levels. And as you said, it's, it is very stressful, um, whether you're actively involved in it or it's just kind of lingering there in the back of your mind. So. Awesome. Uh, Derek, did you have any thoughts or? You're just listening to our conversation. I'm, I'm enjoying. Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying the conversation immensely, and uh, you know, I think both of you made some really, really good points. Um, you know, one of the things that resonated with me when we were talking about getting the younger generations involved is that uh, it's an absolute priority. It should be for every organization within the cat community, but um, there's a problem, which is that. As we get the younger generation involved and give them a greater voice, do we teach them bad habits? Do we continue on with uh, actions and behaviors that haven't necessarily benefited the community? So, you know, one of my favorite sayings is the definition of insanity, of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting That's very result, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So one of the things that I believe we have to do and, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, on, on the top priority list for, you know, guests on, on my turn with the podcast, Adam, was to have uh, outside uh, organizations was because we want to showcase an environment and a climate where collaborating is, A, uh, just way more fun, right? Mm-hmm. B, way more productive, and C, way more beneficial for our community. And... You know, I guess I'm going to say something real quick that, you know, if someone from another organization is listening to, they might chafe at a little bit. But, um, you know, you had on last week your childhood buddy, Holly McGinnis, who's like one of the smartest people I've ever encountered. That's right. And I was talking to Holly uh, because she had done some pioneering work herself. And I wanted to ask her opinion on, you know, why why do organizations fail Why within our community, you know? Mm. And and she gave me advice that I just hung on to for dear life. And I think about it every single day. And, you know, what she said was that the, a large reason why organizations fail in the CAD community is a function of ego. And mm-hmm. um, I I think that sometimes, you know, some some groups out there may have drifted a little bit from the original mission. You know, when, you, when you're a young organization, you have that excitement because you're going to change the world, right? So there's some idealism. There's something of, okay, fine, there's a problem and we're going to fix it and we're going to really make the world a better place. And as you mature and as you grow and as you find your space, sometimes what happens is that it, it's 
no longer as important. And what's more important is power. And what's more mm-hmm. important is, you know, carving out your territory and then defending it and, and protecting right. it. And that's, then we lose sight of that. And, you know, during the last leadership uh, you know, meeting that we had at the Guy Foundation, you know, I, I just really drilled point the home, the, drilled home the point of we are a organization of service. We service our community. That is always right. going to be our mission. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why we've achieved so much uh, success and momentum is be- people feel it. It feels authentic. And the moment that we stop doing that, then it will no longer feel authentic and people will go to other places that will have, you know, captured that, uh, that sincerity. So we have to keep it. Um, we have to always keep in mind that uh, there are organizations out there that do things better than we do. And we shouldn't yeah. necessarily be mm-hmm. in that space. Yeah. So when I first yeah. talked to Amy and Tara about them, um, you know, uh, being the central depository for our books, because we're, you know, the the guide. So the handbook for birth family unions is a free resource to any CAD that wants to go back to Korea to meet their biological family. Now, if, um, you know, they want that book, where they're going to have to go is to Adoptee Hub. And, you know, we did that for two reasons. One is um, Adoptee Hub is centrally located in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. So distribution-wise, it makes it a little bit easier. But two is that we get to highlight another organization that's doing the key work in that channel, which is the biological relative birth family search. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the conversation, we're going, look, you know, you're in this lane. We don't want to be in the lane. And three, two, five cameras in this lane. We don't want to be in that lane. You know, you guys can really do things together. We're over here on the mental health side. Now, mm-hmm. the does the does the book have some relevancy to what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. But we're kind of more like a, like the pickle that perfects a sandwich, right? Because most of the <laughs> sandwiches, what they're doing, and they go, hmm, something's missing. You know, what, what's missing is that once you find that that uh, that person and you decide that you're going to go back to Korea, what's the next step? And so we're just that resource, but we're not actively in that lane. If somebody said, right. hey, I, we want, you know, we, we need help and mentoring on, on how to, you know, embark on the birth family search, the Guy Foundation is going to go, there's two groups that are, you need to talk to right now, Adoptee Hub, 325 Camera, and they're really mm-hmm. going to be able to help you uh, with that because they're the experts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's ultimately, um, you know, I, I think that there's beauty in collaboration because what we can do is we can help the CAD. We can help that person mm-hmm. who is just kind of beginning that journey and not knowing where to go, what to do, who to trust. And if we can all just be supportive of one another, then they can be more trusting of the community as a whole. Yeah, that's that's an amazing point because, and I and and I think that's sort of what I was dancing around when we were talking about why certain organizations and and the whole mentality of not sharing is that ego, because you know you get you get used to a certain amount of maybe popularity or power, and then you don't necessarily want to let it go. Right. Yeah, and I don't want to land base the uh, the CAD community. No, no I'm not just saying CADs. Yeah, I'm saying in general on a, on a corporate basis, the functional yeah. rivalry is important, right? So you have Ford versus GM, right? Or you have Ford versus Carlos Ferrari. Versus <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari, which is a good movie. Um, you know, I don't think Ferrari. I wish the I wish the Italians had won. I didn't like Henry Ford the second. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, so McDonald's versus Burger King, Coke versus Pepsi. So rivalry is inherent, but. Nonprofit work is not a business. We don't have right. a profit motive that where we have to, the consumer can only drink one soda at one time, right? And what Tara mm-hmm. was saying was that, you know, you can work with and collaborate with other organizations simultaneously. That's the beauty of, of our environment in our world. But, you know, the we still carry those over. You know, so even if you think about, I grew up in a small town and there was always a rivalry between um, my church was a Trinity Lutheran and the other Lutheran church, St. John's, you know? So it was like little digs, like St. John's is doing their picnic this Sunday. Well, we got to do it Saturday and to beat them. And, and you're like, come on, man. Like, what? what's going on? We're here to, you're here to, to represent, you know, allegedly the big guy upstairs. I don't think he really liked this very much. So, you know, for us, the big guy upstairs is, is the CAD community. And right. if we can do things in, in harmony um, and, and not at the expense of other organizations, 
then uh, I think everyone can win. Hopefully, maybe I'm an maybe I'm an idealist. I don't know. No, but, uh, no, no. I I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, rivalry between soda companies. You're like, if soda went away, who would care, right? I mean, I guess it would suck, but like, no one's gonna be hurt by that. But if like the CAD community doesn't grow to help each other, then that that's really bad. I, you know, people will be really hurt by that. They, they right? would be, in, you know, I, I think to some degree is to Derek's point is that you know, we're we're trained in our we're trained to be competitive in that nature, right? I mean, think about it. It goes all the way back to elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a rival a rival school, right? Like. Or even if you just think about in sports teams in general. So I, I guess we're just we're we're just trained in that mentality of you know one's better than the other. So it's sometimes hard to see that all encompassing they are all good and all have good intentions because we've just been trained that you know what that school is bad because there are there are a rival and you know whatever. So I, I think that's part of it that that rivalry, but. I liked what you said, Derek, about how, um, you know, she said a lot of organizations fail because of ego. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. So it, uh, you know, the truth sometimes can, can hurt. And mm-hmm. it was one where we, the advantage that we have is kind of similar to, uh, what you guys at Adopt, uh, Dhab have, uh, Tara, is that we're not old enough to let ego seep in. But one of the things that we have to do is create a structure that repels ego as much as possible. Sure. So, and that's really comes from leadership. It comes from, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that uh, we really try and, and drill in here early on is you know, there's really, who cares about, you know, titles, who cares about, you know, what, uh, you know, the leadership style that, that really is effective is one that eliminates the word I and my and replaces it with we and ours. Mm -hmm. And when we think collectively on an organizational basis, that does help to start thinking collectively on a broader Mm -hmm. community basis as well. So, you know, a lot of the things that uh, are are stated, you know, isn't using the singular possessive, but it is um, a a collective. And, you know, even in, in the past, you know, 90 seconds of conversation <laughs> there there hasn't been that word those singular possessive words haven't been uttered so you know in our in our communication style we can adjust to make a deliberate and conscious choice sure that if we're going to speak and we want to convey a point that uh, those words aren't uh, ever mentioned and it's difficult because it's so oh, for, sure, yeah. for people to say well and then there's that dreaded word Right. That singular possessive word. Right. And, uh, but if we can really make it just take a, a moment to say, what is the positive of that? And then what is the negative of doing so? And again, replacing it with we and ours is just, um, a huge step towards working together. Absolutely. So, right, that was two minutes where I didn't say we or, or I didn't say my or <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it, it's definitely possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, well, not, I, I would agree that. <laughs> <laughs> we all agree together. How's that, Adam? Yes. yes we all, we're all we in all agreement. We're all in consensus. Within yes. The, within we're, the- we're all in agreement with that, that, with that, with that idea. Yeah. Uh, and um, trying to not uh, transmit bad habits to the next generation, both in lead- leadership style and, and everything else is, uh, I think, a, a very big part of that leadership, right? Being able to let go of the ego a bit, reflect on what's been done or said or whatever, and then correcting that or trying your best to correct it. Um, because, yeah, uh, trying to do the same thing or, or perpetuating the same styles, uh, it won't necessarily work, right? So, Well, you know, my wife's a nonprofit. She's the executive director of the North Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And before that, she was the uh, executive director of an organization called Therapet. And she always likes to talk about what she hates about the nonprofit world is this, you know, what she calls the nonprofit hunger games. And mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. where the competition for scarce resources. So whether it comes from, you know, the number of volunteers 
or the amount of donations, uh, the amount of grants available, it is limited. It's scarce. It's very difficult. You know, the consistent, unending nightmare for, you know, EDs and, and boards is, is fundraising, right? How mm-hmm. are we going to have enough money to make it through to this year, next year, and our long-term plans? So it becomes a very brutal environment where people go, well, I deserve this money more than other organizations. And it's that brutal contest in where slight digs become, you know, magnified because you're like, ooh, that hurt my chances. And now you're angry because now you might not get that person that you need or that 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 big donors, you know, supports another organization that you're trying to go after. And so it's we it is a perfect cauldron, isn't it, of just ingredients that can lead to explosive um, conflict. Yeah, that's because true. of how we set it up. And what, isn't it, and again, I, I maybe in an idealistic manner, you know, the idea that we can all cross the finish line together just sounds so much more appealing than one person winning at the expense of other organizations that are equally valid, have equally noble mm-hmm. missions, and also want to serve the community as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think that that goes to that sort of crab in the bucket mentality we're talking about, right? Because of it's the scarcity and the competition that creates that. Uh, and as you were saying, Derek, the system sort of set up for that. <laughs> like the whole, I you know, the whole environment is set up that way. Uh, and the scarcity yeah. is an illusion, though. I mean, no, no. I, I, oh, absolutely. I agree with that. I'm just saying that that mentality, yeah. like that mindset, it's sort of like saying about like we instead of I. Right. And, to, and trying to use the language and the way of thinking to change your mentality. Um, so it goes from sort of I ego to we, the group, and mm-hmm. trying to you know help the community. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, so you have to sort of, tr- you have to train train that scarcity idea out of you. Because even though there's a reality of there's only a limited amount of donors, et cetera, um, and then that sort of pushes people to say, well, there's it's scarce, so I've got to compete to get it. Um, it's not really that limited, you know. And and if if and if you if you lose a contract or a grant or something, then someone else is gaining. But if they're all or, all the organizations are sort of trying to do the same thing the ultimate person you're trying to help, right? The group that you're doing this for is winning, right? They're winning. Uh, even if your organization, quote unquote, lost, right? Right. But that can be tough to wrap your head around if you're working and you've got to pay the bills, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> so, like, so like, think, of it, think of it this way. And I, I kind of got inspiration from this from uh, an amazing movie <clears throat> uh, called The Life of Brian, which was a Monty Python Monty movie. Python. Yeah, no, yeah. Great movie, right? And so, you know, there's these two, uh, there's multiple resistance groups against the Roman occupation of Judea, right? So there's the People's Liberation Front of Judea, there's the Popular People's Front of Judea, and there's the (laughs) People's Liberation Front. And, you know, it got to the point where the differentiation was so minute that people got confused what group they were in, right? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's farcical, but there's actually some truth to that. So, like, let's use a, a made-up scenario. Though. Let's say that, we, you know, there's a group that goes out and says, you know what, we want to have better representation from the CAD community in college admission, and we don't feel that we should fall under Asian American because, you know, Harvard is trying to say there's too many Asians, but we think that, you know, CAD should be a, a separate uh, category. Great mission, right? Noble. I'm just making this up so that I don't sure. offend anybody. So so they're working <laughs> in this space, right? And then somebody else comes along and goes, hey, you know what? I like that. But you know what? It's not just, you know, Ivy Leagues that are an issue, but we want to have that for broader um, state schools like, you know, Penn State sure. and, um, you know. Uh, you know Other great public university systems. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So now we have two groups operating, right? They're in the same uh, channel. And then they go, and now they're trying to fight for these resources. But if if they have a mission and it costs twenty thousand dollars for the Ivy League group to uh, function uh, on a project, and the state school one has twenty thousand dollars as well, that's forty thousand dollars needed, right, for both groups to operate. Mm-hmm. If they could just work together 
and combined, they could perhaps only need to raise 15000 on each side, right? Because there are going to be some complementary things that can be shared. Mm-hmm. Right. So one group might be able to absorb the marketing costs. One other group might be able to absorb, you know, graphic design or whatever. And instead of 40000 now it's 30000 Well, it's easier to, I mean, I'm not really good at math. I'm not a good agent. <laughs> but I, I think I'm good enough to remember that $30,000 is easier to raise than 40000 Am I still right on that or am I? Too- I think so. Yeah. I think I don't, math hasn't changed since right, we've good. been talking. So, you know, but there's no reason why we can't do um, joint fundraisers. There's no reason why we yeah. can't support and, and really try and marshal our resources because they are so scarce. And so, you know, in this uh, environment that we're in is if, you know, we have a cat that's struggling mentally. And one of the reasons why is because they don't know where they come from. What the hell's wrong with us? We don't pick up the phone and go, hey, Adopti Hub, we uh, you know, have someone that I think really wants to start that process. Can you help them do it? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and we can we can do things um, jointly, I think, uh, and, and beyond joint, not just two. But, you know, if we go, because we all mentioned something that we, I, all three of us have a very strong passion about, which is that, you know, the, the up to 40,000 adoptees don't have citizenship. And we all think it's bullshit, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, multiple organizations can come together and for one month focus on that, where we all stand in solidarity and go, it's time for these people to be given what in essence is not their birthright, but the fact that they came to the United States against their volition and mm-hmm. are here deserve citizenship. And, Owed. you know, we could just take turns, you know, highlighting, you know, various causes and beliefs and we all can cross that finish line together but we just we're not in that space and that's what we're trying to correct right now you know and i've been thinking about this i i think part of the reason is just that it has taken this long is the fact that you know for the last 20 years that information really was scarce right because you you had to work a lot harder to get it um, you know, 20 years ago, True. you know, the internet was there, but it, it wasn't utilized in the capacity that it is, is now. And so I think the fact that there was all these different regional groups, you know, that were formed, especially that, that live under that ICA umbrella, you know, I just don't think that there was necessarily the opportunity to share. It was, this is, you know, we know this, so we're going to help you here. Um, and in turn, when you think about how so many of these these groups are having their, you know, 20 and 25 year anniversaries. I think it's just taken this long to get to this step. Cause you know, 20 years ago, it was finally these people that were like, you know what, we need something, we need something here. And so these groups were all started across Europe and the United States. And I mean, there are a lot of them that are coming up to those 20 and 25 year anniversaries. It's, it's sad that it has taken this long, but it's also the leaders of those same Organ organizations or founders of those orgs that are now like, all right, we need to work together. We've we've done our part by creating something, creating a community, but now we need to come together as a broader community. And it it just it's taken this long. It's kind of it is really sad, actually. I I think it's a good point. You know, one of the things I will say is that you know when I was serving on the board of Three Two Five Camera, which isn't a new organization which is well-known and respected and reaching out to larger organizations. Um, we didn't get responses. Mm-hmm. You know, emails weren't returned. Um, you know, phone calls weren't, uh, we didn't get a call back. And so I, I do see your point, Tara, and I think it's a valid one. But then my question to you is that why hasn't, why isn't the mantle of leadership to coalesce and create something where we can all get together why is that not being started by those more established organizations? Mm-hmm. You know, we just created a group called the Korean Adoptee Congress of Nonprofit Organizations. And what this is, is an intention for uh, every, you know, group to have sent two representatives mm-hmm. to this, uh, this Facebook group. We'd like to convene in August. So right now we're just reaching out and saying you're invited. And the goal is to create a charter. And a, in essence, a code of conduct where we say that, uh, you know, we want to support one another. We want to share resources when possible. Uh, our intention at the Guy Foundation is we're building some cool databases that we will give away. 
And, um, you know, people might say, well, why would you, you spend all this time and energy building these incredible databases? Why would you give them away? Because our, our community needs it. Because mm-hmm. um, that is something that uh, so many good and worthy organizations could use the help in, in doing. And, you know, we are, we're in a really, really good spot right now. You know, we're, we're less than two months old and, you know, we're about to break 60, you know, people in the organization. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just seeing a lot of, we got a lot of irons in the fire. But, you know, I think that there'll come a day where we're not in as good of a spot as we'd like to be. Sure. And maybe people can remember that uh, that spirit of collaboration was, was really um, strong with us. And then our neighbors can come. And, uh, and and lend a hand yeah. when it's that time. Right. So. You know, I think to really answer your question, Derek, as to why why aren't they maybe, I don't want to say that they're not stepping up, but why, why haven't they worked together? You know, I think it's a couple of things. I think one is the ego piece, right? Um, I think that plays into it. But, I, you know, there's, there's a, a fear of failure, right, to try and put yourself out there and, and make this collaboration happen. Um, so I think that just plays, you know, they both play into each other, the ego and and the Mm -hmm. fear of failure. So I think that's a big part of it. And to some degree it's possible. And I'm purely speculating here is that they might just be a little bit tired, right? I mean, (laughs) now we're at the point in our lives where we have families and lots of other job responsibilities and it's, it's harder now to, um, try and put all the things into motion that we would like. So, but I, I really think it goes back to the, the ego piece and, and the fear of failure. And, you know, what you're proposing with the, with the Congress is, is fantastic to really bring everyone together under one umbrella, so many different organizations to get everyone to work together because there's, there's no reason why we can't share the information and why it shouldn't be readily available to adoptees that are seeking that information. Mm-hmm. You know, I think part of it too is this, this next generation. And, and I guess even from a societal point of view is we want everything um, hand fed to us, right? Like we don't want to have to search too hard to get our information. Now we're so used to getting everything immediately. Um, you know, all these different things that show up into our newsfeed. And now that's, that's the word of whatever. And so nobody wants to really search too hard so I think that might be a little part of it too, is that everyone's just used to getting their, their information at any given second immediately um, as, as quickly as they want. So to research and really dig into that, I, I don't think is something that people are wanting to do as much these days. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, on the other hand, I think, when it's something like like mental health or birth family search and, and all these very critical pieces of information, uh, it's up to us to sort of make it as easy easily found <laughs> as possible. Sure. Right. Yep. Uh, and yeah, no, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think people don't want to search; uh, they'd want it like fed to them. But um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it. We, if we make it as easy as possible, that's sort of our job. And then if someone just doesn't, you know, look for it, even in the most cursory glance, uh, that's sort of on them. But, right. um, you know, and, but you mentioning sort of that, that uh, the uh, older organizations might have, might just be a little bit tired. <laughs> uh, that goes back to my point before about how you need to then let the younger people, the people with energy mm-hmm. sort of into the room and let them lead a bit. Right. You know. Uh, because you can't like, you know, Derek and I and, and Moses and Jody and other people who are the, you know, leadership of guide or whatever. Um, we can't just say, okay, it has to go through us. Like we need to trust the volunteers that we brought on to sort of, to, because they have their own expertise. Right. Um, yeah. to, to do things, you know, uh, and, um, yeah, but that 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 like adoptee or um, nonprofit Congress idea is is amazing. I think that is a first step in in getting the coordination that we really need because there is so much knowledge out there. It's not like we're building this stuff out of whole cloth, right? Right. It, it's there. Um, well, you know what's funny is I had presented it to the Korean American Grassroots Conference, so I talked to that, okay. saying that they had the authority of being an overall Korean American entity. 
and not necessarily, that's right. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily being involved in the, the internecine warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't, they haven't gotten all in on one organization or another. They stayed out entirely. So I said that, you know, it's a good idea. I told them, <laughs> well, I thought it was a good idea. They apparently didn't think so because they never responded. And basically, well, I mean, has they, that, I mean, right? them sort of staying out of the, the politics is a good idea. Yeah. Well, them ignoring well, us is not a good idea. <laughs> the, reason why they, the reason why they stayed out of it is they didn't, didn't really know or care that we exist. So, sure. I mean, sure. it's, uh, I, I know I'm, uh, you know, we want to keep things, you know, um, not necessarily pointing fingers. So I don't want, I don't want to say that the Korean American grassroots conference doesn't care. Um, I, I guess just looking into their actions and make your own decision. But, you know, when I, when I had that discussion with them, you know, um, Adam, I met, I met with uh, a representative in LA. Okay. We were there. So if you remember, I was, you know, that uh, Sunday morning, I was sitting in the lobby and going over the presentation that I made. That's right. Um, That's as right. far as, you know, why it made sense, because I said that we have so many problems that we just, no one, uh, what I felt was that any organization decided, okay, guys, let's all put our toys down, our, our, our weapons down and hug this thing out. Everyone else would be like, no, they would resist it because it wasn't their idea, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was like almost doomed to fail. And, uh, but, one of the things that is, I guess something changed in me was I got tired of giving away good ideas to be di- to, to die in the vine. I got tired of, you know, telling Holt, hey, this is what post-adoption should look like. I got tired of telling, you know, the Korean American Grassroots Conference, this is something that you could bring in 10% of your population and they could become, you know, supporters of, of you politically. And uh, so we just said, we're going to do it ourselves. Fuck yeah. it. We're just going to do it ourselves. Right. And, um, you know, so we, everybody talks, everybody says it. And I guess, you know, the one thing that uh, is stemming from that is enough talk action. And, you know, we're, we know that this Congress is going to take a while to build up steam. Yeah. That's why, you know, we, we started it in early June. We go, you know what? We're going to try to convene in August so we can get the critical mass um, and uh, just let it kind of grow organically. We're going to, you know, talk about it. But, Adam, you know how many irons we have in the fire right now. Yes, nowadays. yes, a lot. Going on. So, you know, we have to make sure that those responsibilities and, and project deadlines are met. But, you know, we're done talking, you know, which is funny because we're on a podcast, right? We're, so we're talking. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're also on a podcast with another organization that we admire. And we admire 325 Camera. And we admire Adoptees for Justice. And we admire mm-hmm. the Adoptee Rights Campaign. And we admire CAD to CAD. And we admire the Korean American Adoptee Facebook group page and the Korean Adoptee uh, Facebook group page. We think that every single one of these entities and more deserve recognition, deserve yeah. collaboration, deserve, uh, you know, the opportunities for their mission and voice to be heard. And, you know, if we have an opportunity to have a, a, a spotlight, like, you know, Adam, your podcasting skills give us, then what we're going to do is not hog the mic, but we're going to, you know, pass the mic around and make right. sure that everyone can get their chance to be, uh, to be heard. Right. And, and, and with this podcast is exactly what we're doing, right? Like every episode, it's not just going to be me talking to Derek or Jody or Moses, as fun as that would be. <laughs> Um, but it's going to be, you know, we're always going to have a guest or two and we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to have, and, and Tara's our guest with this episode and we're going to have Tara, you know, talk and she's done, she's shared amazing things. And, uh, you know, I talked to Holly in the last episode and it's just, we're going to build that because hopefully not only is the podcast something where we can share knowledge, but we can build bridges and, you know, relationships and between, you know, all the different cats out there and, and, and hopefully in the future, just other adoptees out there um, that have things, you know, thing, things to contribute and share. Uh, and um, that's what I really, that's, that's like, th- that's a real strength of what we're doing. Sure. Uh, and, you know. Yeah, the, the community is, it, there's no doubt that the community is there and that we, we want to be heard. You know, and, and that's where you see these organizations that were, you know, developed, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And they said, we want to be heard. We have a voice. We have a right to be heard. And now it's really just bringing a little bit more unity to our community as a whole. Um, and that that will only make us stronger because we we do deserve to be heard as as a group. So. Yeah, definitely. And that unity doesn't need to be like everyone sort of going and doing the same thing. 
is just sort of sharing resources, sharing knowledge. Like the fact that like, you know, like Adoptee Hub, as Derek was saying, is going to be the central place where people can get this guidebook, right? right? So, like if someone comes to all these organizations and like the ones that we've talked about and just ones that we don't even know about yet, (laughs) but hopefully like we can learn about them and connect with them, then if someone goes to that organization and says, you know, as Derek was saying, I want to start this this birth search thing, they can say, well, we know this other organization, they have this, you know, this guide and this is a website or this is the link and they can, you know, they can have that knowledge right there. Yes. Uh, and that's unity too. It is. You know, yep. you know by, by no means do I think it's going to be a, a beautiful kumbaya moment. I mean, that would be great. Right. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it is, it's really all just about, about working together and, and that unity. And, you know, that's what, whenever you attend any of these conferences, right, that's one of the best things about attending any of them, whether it's, you know, attending an ICA gathering or attending con, um, there's just something about that unity of, of being amongst your peers. And it's mm-hmm. an unknown level of, of understanding and camaraderie from that. It doesn't mean we're all going to be, you know, best friends and agree with everything, but it does always bring a, a different level of, of understanding and compassion and empathy. So, yeah. Can I, can I offer a shameless plug moment right now? If, if Go for I, it. Okay. So, you know, we, we're going to be debuting in November, uh, a website called CAD town square. And what, uh, we're really excited about this website because what it does is exactly what Tara and Adam have been talking about is as far as, you know, bringing as many people under one roof, not organizations, but just people in general. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spirit of collaboration will be there because, you know, in the, in the comments and the, you know, announcements or on the Chiron from the, the, the TV station, uh, in Cat Town Square. <laughs> is going to be, you know, in November will be the silent auction fundraiser that uh, Adoptee Pub is, is having. And oh, awesome. so, you know, we're going to, you know, let people know that. And if there's other, you know, fundraisers or other news, if someone was announced to the board, we want the community to know that and not just from us. So what, what, what Cat Town Square was doing, one of you said it, and I'm not smart enough to remember who said it, was that, you know, people want things easy and convenient and at their fingertips is what, you know, resources are. That's what uh, Cat Town Square will be. So, you know, people want to know about birth family searches. The uh, Adoptee Hub and 325 camera will be prominently, um, you know, uh, displayed there as options. And um, if people want to know about the, uh, you know, the citizenship issue, they go to City Hall and, and sure enough, they'll see, you know, Adoptees for Justice and Adoptee Rights Campaign and, you know, how to make a difference there. Mm-hmm. So we want, you know, we want to give visibility to all these amazing organizations and we want to make sure that uh, the broader um, cat community, and not just cats, right, but our, mm-hmm. our spouses and our children and our That's parents right. and our best friends, people that care about us can understand. And so you know, how cool would it be if, um, you know, Adoptee Hub crushes their silent fundraiser, uh, you know, fundraiser in November because, you know, some dude, you know, sitting in Barcelona who just met a really cool, you know, a girl that happened to be a cat and he really just <laughs> sympathized with it and decided to test the option <laughs> and, you know, bought something that was, you know, way, um, you know, was the highest ticket item. And then they hit their goals because, you know, they, he saw it on, on cat town square. That so awesome. you know, that's the next, yeah. that's, that's what we're looking at. And, you know, Tara's a hundred percent right. It's not going to be kumbaya. We know that no. we're mature enough to understand that there's going to be conflict. There's going to be disagreements, but, as long as there's more agreement than disagreement, then the community benefits. And right now, it's just my assessment that the balance of harmony mm. versus dissonance, dissonance is winning. There right. is not enough harmony. So we have to just at least level the playing field and, and get it uh, to tip the scales into unity, coalition, and and um, and harmony. Yep, I, I agree. It's, you know, I guess we can all have the kumbaya moment, you know, at the next gathering in Seoul, because, you know, there's there's always a lot of soju moments there. So That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> is that even going to happen anytime soon? I mean, you know, I, I, so when was the last gathering in 20, 2018? 
Yeah, so it's coming up soon, right? 2021, because it's every three years or so, right? Right. So I guess um, guess it would be on par for next year. So to be determined, I mean, I yeah. hope so. It's it's an amazing experience. Uh, it is. To just, I, I love meeting the people from, from all over the world more than anything. So, you know, I'll, you can have a, come, come have a kumbaya moment with me and some soju and some, you know, <laughs> makju, whatever. <laughs> It sounds a yeah. little scary to me. I always think of the Highlander, you know, in the gatherings. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully that happens. But um, so, like, I, I, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, and um, hopefully, Tara, you'll be on again. Right? I would appreciate uh, There's that. a lot Just, to talk about yeah, still. Uh, and we're doing a lot of work with you guys. So, I'm excited about that. Uh, did, did, Derek, did you have any like closing words or any last points you wanted to make? Besides the end? No. Yeah. I, mean, I think, uh, you know, it was just, uh, I, I really appreciated your, um, insights, Adam. Um, you know, you're, you're with us for a reason and oh, you're, thank you're, you, man. Uh, a tremendous asset to us. So, and, and, and I think that, you know, in, in reaching out, why was Tara chosen? You know, because I do have, you know, I think, some good relationships with other organizations. <laughs> One of the reasons why um, it, it was Tara was because when we had approached various organizations as far as who would be willing to hold the books for us, um, because we really wanted to We look, the reality is this, I have a garage, right? I can keep 500 books, but we wanted to partner up in that sense of collaboration so that when someone was to going to, was interested in our book, we were able to direct them to another organization and 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 give them visibility right and they go oh mm-hmm. what's this organization about and um you know she was the first one that was really receptive to it so in in what she said sometimes as well you know like we're, if we're new you know some i understand that sometimes people might not know if we're going to be around or whatever but the thing is is that there's an authenticity to her message because she didn't care she just thought you know, oh okay so this could be good and, uh, and let's explore it. And really, that's all what we need. A mine is like a parachute. It's no good unless it's open. And all we really need is that one moment of an open mind where we can just really flesh out discussion that can result in, in really good things. So that's the reason why. I don't know, Tara, you know, if you were kind of confused, like, you know, why did I, I want you uh, for this episode? <laughs> but hopefully, as you explain, I ha- hopefully, as I explain it right now, you begin to realize that that uh, what we're trying to do is repay your kindness and, and and give your organization that voice and allow people to hear who Tara Tenhoff is because it's someone that um, I uh, I respect. Well, thank Great. you. I I really I really appreciate that, um, not only for myself but for Adoptee Hub and and I'm I'm really really excited and proud to represent the organization and who we are and and what we're able to offer to our community. So. Very, very happy that, that we can partner with you on that. And I will gladly sand, sandwich board your book <laughs> and travel it around town. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that'd be Social really distance, funny. though, yeah, with the mask. It'd be a really funny sandwich board, right, to wear that front and back. <laughs> and, and, or, you know, it, it, people would probably be like, what is this? Birth family search? Huh? <laughs> Uh, it would start a lot of conversations, it but would. socially distanced conversations. Well, we, I, well I'd be careful, Tara, because we may take you up on that. Uh, <laughs> That's right. As our uh, the cover artwork on the front back <laughs> is done by uh, some Minneapolis uh, residents. So you would actually be um, promoting the, the native talent uh, within your state and your city. Definitely so, some hometown pride there. So I'll remember right. that if, if the gathering happens in 2021. That I said that I would sandwich board your book <laughs> in in uh, in in Myeongdong or in Hongdae. There you go. <laughs> oh my god! Like that would you know what? That would be that would be fucking hilarious <laughs> if we actually did that and we had it in Korean and like you know I know those really cute like drawings right in that same art style yes. that uh, that we have and um, let's have random Korean people and like videotape it, put it on our YouTube channel. That'd be <laughs> hilarious because if we did it in Hongdae and if like the foot traffic you know goes back uh, well Korea's back right right um people would stop it would be so funny do you guys remember the Saturday Night Live sketch with uh sketch with uh Justin Timberlake where he's he's the 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 sandwich mascot 
Yes. You know yes. No. <laughs> oh, Adam, you gotta you gotta see these are so. <laughs> I gotta YouTube that. Yeah, Justin Timberlake <laughs> is outside his store, you know, with a big foam you know, costume, you know, trying to bring in. Uh, well, well, we don't we don't have like uh, we we could get Dan, aka Dan, to do it because <laughs> oh he's God. like our biggest musical adoptee, <laughs> right? Yeah, musical. Uh, actor. I want to put out there that, in that foam sandwich board with the, the being the book. She, does she have to spin? Right? She has to spin the thing too. Uh, maybe I don't know. Like, look, if we, if we do a joint fundraiser, guys, and we can raise, um, you know, some money to make a custom um, handbook outfit, foam, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that Tara can wear at the gathering. <laughs> I think that makes a worthy cause. This is a kumbaya moment. I can get behind. Um, so do. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give you enough. Soju we, or you won't remember doing this. You know, so. that's right. Just get enough soju in you. Um, but yeah. It, it, you know, I, I'm really excited for, you know, where this podcast will go, where Guide's going to go, um, where our community can go. And, and um, you know, uh, yeah, so we got a little silly, but it's, uh, you know, I'm really excited for this. And thank you guys for being on the podcast. And Oh, and one last shameless plug is that yeah. if you uh, enjoy podcasts, you should probably listen to Escape from Plan A. And if you That's right. magazines, you should probably uh, read uh, Escape from Plan A magazine. Well, Plan A magazine and Escape from Plan A podcast. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Uh, and um, that's it. So, thanks very much, Tara, for being our guest. And obviously, Derek, it's always great talking to you. Adam, thank you. Three weeks, sir. All right. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.